Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. In the making with Miranda Tan. Welcome, Miranda. You're known as the China KOL number one, <laughs> empowering everyone with your data on blockchain and CEO of Robin8. Welcome to In the Making, Asia Tech Podcast. Thank you. Who are you in the making? What are you known for, Miranda? Hmm, that's, that's a tough question, you know. So um, I think if you ask me, you know, who, who am I, I guess, right? Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's a tough question, I would say, in the sense that, you know, I think of myself as an entrepreneur. And, you know, my passion is I've, I've always, I think I've always been very entrepreneurial. I want, you know, want to you know, build something, create something. But um, I'm also a mom, um, you know, uh, I have four kids. And I've been, you know, um, um, I'm from the States, I'm from New York. And, you know, I came to China about three years ago. But uh, I think if you were to ask me, like, who, like, I would say my one thing is, like, I think I'm very entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And that's really, you know, my, my passion, you know, building something really, you know, really, something really great and kind of putting my name on it. Putting your name on it. That's interesting. When you say entrepreneur, what's your definition of an entrepreneur? Three uh, qualities of an entrepreneur. I guess it's three qualities of an entrepreneur is, like, um, masochist. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work and sometimes I wonder I'm like why am I doing this this is like this is like torture it's like all this work no appreciation and uh, sometimes I feel like I'm a slave <laughs> so I would say number one masochist I mean kind of jokingly but kind of seriously mm-hmm. uh, second one is someone who's like you know um, someone who's persistent mm-hmm. persistent and creative someone who you know because I think as an entrepreneur it's you know you fail a lot of times it's, you know, sometimes people think it's really glamorous. And I mean, it is in a way because you're building something, you're creating something. Right. But at the same time, it's also really tough. You have to get used to, you know, people rejecting you, people like saying your thing sucks or this idea doesn't work. So I would say someone who's persistent. The third is someone who's like passionate, mm-hmm. really passionate about, about what they're doing and what they're building. And so I guess my, my three things for, you know, awesome. is massacres. Uh, you know, um, someone who's persistent and then passionate. passionate. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. I think, Miranda, one thing really inspires me about you, besides all that you're building and creating, is like you said, being a mom of four amazing children. You're an amazing role model for all the women out there, working women. Again, I know it's a cliched question, but it just came to my mind and I would love to ask you, can working women have it all or how do you, one or two sentence tips for managing work and kids and family? You know, it's, it's tough being a mom. And, you know, people ask me like, wow, you have four kids. And I always, people like, they, they say to me like, oh, should I have a kid? Or, you know, sometimes a lot of work. I'm like, yeah, I, I think like, you know, go for it. I think, you know, I, I love kids personally. And if you love kids, go for it. You don't like kids. It's really what you love. Just go for it. I'm in the same boat. I mean, I know four is a handful, but even with one. Yeah, uh, one's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have nowhere to distract him. So I bring him with me to work Mm -hmm. sometimes or actually a lot of times. So going back to the next one, uh, what do you, what do people find most interesting about you, Miranda? What do you think? I'm really passionate about what I'm doing. And when I started out, I, you know, I, I was, um, I was pre-med in, in college. Mm-hmm. My dad, like, you know, pressured me to be a doctor mm-hmm. and, you know, then it was like, it was not in the cards. <laughs> I'm scared of bloods. I'm very careless. 
my mom like you're kill people. Oh my god! <laughs> so I was I was pretty mad. Then I went to law school, and uh, then I you know I I I I, I took the bar. You know I would practice law a little bit, and then I realized I don't want to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And then um, then I you know worked. Then I got into PR, PR marketing. I worked right. for a couple of big companies, and then I started my own agencies, and 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 then basically going from you know an agency to tech, which is very Amazing. very different. It's it's like night and day. And um, you know, I was doing PR for um, all these like you know public companies and venture back companies. I was like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. How do we you know automate this thing? And that's how I kind of got into tech. That's interesting. That's a great message for all the young folks out there in college or trying to figure out their career. That it's okay mm-hmm. to to take the boat and on the way you'll figure it out. Nothing will be perfect in the first go. And you can actually have multiple careers in a lifetime. I often get asked and or you know, or been in discussions, do we just have to be doing one thing for the rest of our life? And the answer is no. And yeah. I think the future, I tell my son, and I think future for our kids is they'll have multiple careers. He just asked me yesterday, can I actually have two jobs when I grow up? I said, yes. And nothing about <laughs> growing up, you can still do stuff right now. <laughs> No, yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, like some people, like some of my girlfriends, you know, like, you know, some people are lucky. They they find out what they want to do and and they do it and they love it and they have one job. But then other people, you know, I think I think each person's different. It's really about, you know, it's about you, what you want. And sometimes it takes a couple of, you know, trying different things to figure out what you really like. And it's like for me, you know, like, I guess like I'm I'm from a traditional Chinese family and my, my parents always always, always, always wanted me to like be a doctor. And it's funny, like my dad kept pressuring me to be a doctor. At the same time, my mom was like, I don't know, this fits you. You know, you're like, you're so forgetful sometimes. Like, what are you like, you know? So I think it really depends on the person. So what do you think people don't like about you, Miranda? Well, I think, you know, some people don't like me because either I'm like maybe too direct, maybe like, you know, like I, I, you know, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's like, I mean, I think they think I'm very direct and sometimes like, you know, I'm that kind of person that, like, you know, I just kind of say what's on my mind pretty direct. But then also like some people I would say like, you know, like they think like I'm like very pushy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it's kind of like I'm just, you know, I just say what's on my mind and I just kind of get it out there. And then it's like if it works out great, it doesn't, then it's OK. I just, you know, I move on. But for me, it's, you know, I'm like, you know, my husband's very funny. He's like he's very corporate. Mm hmm. And he's, you know, he he always, he used to work at like Intel. He was like a partner at KPNG. Mm-hmm. And I always like, you know, so I call him Mr. Corporate. When like, when we get mad, he would be like all quiet. <laughs> I'm like, don't be like that to me. They'll just like give me the silent treatment. Right. Versus me, like if I get mad, I'm like, I'll like tell you like why I'm mad. I'm like, this is why that. And we used to kid about him because, like, you know, he was a partner when he was like 30, I think. At, you know, KPMG was this like, you know, which is really cutthroat, very competitive. right. right. And he and I always call him like you know he said it's really hard because when you're working in a big company it's very competitive exactly and so I always joke that he's like the master rat <laughs> but I think also like you know for me it's like like sometimes like you know that say if, you know like sometimes just don't say anything just <laughs> right but I think for me I'm just like I just I'm pretty direct and I kind of get it out and then I just you know move on Got like it. I think if you work at a big company. Sometimes it's not that great to be direct. <laughs> Sometimes you kind of have to like diplomatic. Be diplomatic and don't like, you know, don't say everything that's in your mind because there's a, there's a lot of players. So, you know, that's something I've also learned. It's like sometimes like, you know, you got to be like, you know, you just got to like be, just observe. Observe. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's my learning as well. Yeah, I'm polishing my skills to be a better 
more productive listener. Oh, please. You're great. <laughs> so hunter or a gatherer, what is key in setting up and growing and scaling your business? Hunter or a gatherer? I think like, you know, um, I think my preference is definitely to be a hunter. But I think for building a company, you, you, you have to actually, it's, you can't just be a hunter. You have to also like gather. You have but to can like, one person be both or you need to... I think you could be both. I really do think so. But I think, you know, people have different preferences. Some people prefer to be hunters. Some people prefer to be gatherers or farmers. Mm-hmm. And I think for an entrepreneur, it's like you need to, to, you need to have both in the way. And if you don't have both, you need to have a like team who could complement you. Absolutely. Teach me something, Miranda, in the next two or three minutes that I don't know. I don't know, Nisha. You know a lot. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm very humble. I, a lot of things I'm still learning. And that's the whole point, lifelong, lifelong learner. <laughs> Frankly, I don't know much about ICU. If you had explained to me and uh, our kids, how would you describe what's an ICU and what's the implication of that in our day to day? So uh, ICO, I mean, that's something I actually learned about like um, about a year ago. So ICO stands for Initial Coin Offering. And you can think of it like an IPO. Mm-hmm. But the way ICO works is it's basically, it's your it's initial coin offering. And it's actually really exciting. It's something I learned about a year ago when I was actually, you know, talking to a girlfriend of mine. She was a reporter. And I was talking to her. I was like, hey, you know, what's some of the exciting things you're seeing? What's going on? And she told me, she was like, blockchain. Mm-hmm. She was like, I think this whole, this, this, this technology is revolutionizing everything. Mm-hmm. And then she told me about like ICO. And like you, I was like, what's an ICO? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said to me like over lunch, ICO, initial coin offering, where these companies that, uh, that are raising a lot of money, you know, based on a white paper. This is a year ago. You know, things have changed a lot since a year ago. So when she first told me that, I was like, wow, you know, tell me more. <laughs> and she told me about like these companies uh, who, who raise a lot of money using a white paper. And that same day I saw her, I actually, I was reading the Wall Street Journal and on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, they're talking about ICO. I was like, wow, this got my attention. Mm-hmm. So I think ICO is just, it's, just a, it's a new way of, um, you know, for companies to raise money. And maybe a year ago, you know, when it first started, there was a lot of companies who didn't really have much and they mm-hmm. had a white paper and they were able to raise a lot. But now it's actually, you know, a lot of big companies or a lot of um, companies who are getting into it. And it's, you know, for entrepreneur, I think it's a really exciting way to, for them to, it's an option alternative where they could actually raise money for their company, especially if they have a good product, they have a good team. It's just a faster way of doing it. So, so is, it a technolo- is it like a process or is it an infrastructure or is it real money? What is an ICO? It's like a process. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like, I, it's like an IPO, mm-hmm. except, you know, it's, it's a different process where basically it's more about the crowds. Like you get the community to, you know, to buy in on your, on your business idea, what you want to do. And, and then they basically, you know, come and, you know, basically participate. It's pretty exciting uh, because I think ICO is a, it's a different, it's a different way for entrepreneurs now to raise money for their company, right. especially they have like a, you know, a good product, a good company. It's, it's really, I think. So it's can changing. I buy an ICO in your company? <laughs> well, ICO, like we actually did one in January 8th. Uh-huh, okay. We did one, uh, we did one and um, we did it actually within six weeks. We did it, usually it takes about three to six months. But I think one of the things that, you know, we lucked out was because, you know, you know, we've been doing this for a while. We have clients, we have revenues. And so when we actually, you know, went to do an ICO, it was, it was like also timing was very good. So timing is also important. Just kind of like when you do IPO, it's like, how is the market? Right. Okay. That's, that's good. That's a good transition from what we're discussing about Miranda, Robin 8 and ICO uh, to talk about uh, your journey 
to actually build and create Robinade. So getting on this journey, can you just describe uh, what were you like in high school? Let's start from high school to present in the okay. next 10 minutes. So high school, wow. So what was I like in high school? I was a nerd. <laughs> what's, what's a nerd? <laughs> well, uh, I Describe mean, Miranda the nerd. <laughs> so in high school, I went to Bronx Science. Mm-hmm. Bronx Science in New York is one of the magnet schools. So if you're from New York, there's like Stuyvesant, there's Bronx Science, there's Brooklyn Tech. So I went to Bronx Science and, um, and basically it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty competitive school in the sense that you have to take a test to get in. So, so if you, if you met me back in high school, I was definitely a nerd. Um, I was, I was a little chunky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like short hair. I think my mom cut my hair like till I was like high school and she was not good at cutting hair. So if you met me, my hair was probably all messed up. I remember when she was cutting my hair and she was doing my bang and she kept messing up and messing up and messing up till I had like no bangs. <laughs> right. And this is in my teens. Can you imagine? So I think back then, um, you know, um, I, I was, I was, I was pretty studious. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I was like, you know, I was, um, I had like, um, was pretty outgoing. I was, um, I lived in, I mean, those of you who are in New York, right? I lived in, in Queens, New York. Mm-hmm. And the school I went to was in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. So every morning I had to wake up two hours. I mean, wow. I have to wake up, I mean, like wake up really early. It takes me two hours to get to school. In the making of Miranda. And then after school, I have to come back. and takes So every day, it takes four hours going and coming back. And it wasn't just me. It was like everyone who went to school, it's a big school. You know, they had to put in that hour. It's like, and you think about it, it's like insane. Two hours going there, two hours going back. It was very competitive. Everyone who went to that school was like, there was a lot of Asians. And a lot of them were like, you know, I would say, you know, their parents were immigrants. So they were right. very hardworking, working hard. And everyone was like... Everyone, like the thing was like, how do you get to Ivy? Uh-huh. <laughs> that was kind of like the whole Bronx science thing. Do you think this, so how is it like two hours of traveling in the morning and two hours in the evening, those four hours, how is it different from today? Like what were you doing in those four hours of traveling? Well, I think like, you know, like, so for me, I would take, I would take a bus, mm-hmm. bus to the train mm-hmm. and the train, I would take two trains to get to school. And it was in the Bronx. So the Bronx is not exactly a good neighborhood. So we were like, you know, our school was like, you know, it was like in the middle Bronx and there was these other schools around that used to kick our butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it was fun because like, it wasn't just me. It was like, you know, a lot of the students who went to that school went through the same, went through the same process. We had to wake up really early, go to school like two hours, you know, and coming back two hours. And we used to go together, meet, you know, we take the bus together, we take the train and on the bus, on the train, you hang out with your friends, you do your homework, you talk smack. And it was like, you know, it's, it's, to be honest, it was like, it was a really happy time. <laughs> so like, do you think, that's a very interesting uh, uh, observation I'm having right now is, do you think those friendships, spending time with and having relationships with other people um, really contributed any way to? Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think like, you know, I think friendship's really important. If I was to tell my kids, I think friendship is you know, life, you have to, it's not just about you. It's all about, you know, it's like, it's about your family, your friends. And in life, you know, it's like, it's, you need friends, actually. Friends are really important. It's also important in business. I was trying to put in context because of today's world, you see, everybody is on their mobile phones mm-hmm. and barely talk to other people so outside of, <clears throat> excuse me, their work. Uh, so that was the analogy I was trying to draw. Well, back then, you know, I think we, we, we didn't have a new phone back then. <laughs> but for them, like, I think, you know, I think it's just like spending time with your friends and your peers. Mm-hmm. It's pretty important. 
Because I remember during this time, that's when you hung out with your friends, and that's when you talked to your friends like, hey, what's going on? Hey, did you, you know, did you do this homework? Hey, do you know what that teacher says? It's kind of like your way to find out what's going on. And, and I think that's actually really important as a kid growing up, that whole interaction. And also the other point you mentioned about having a lot of Asians in your school or cross-cultural, cross-nationalities. Uh, do you think that's also part of in the making to make an entrepreneur access or more um, cross-cultural interactions? Does it help or it is not a big deal? I don't know. Like a lot of my classmates, you know, I wouldn't say everyone there, you know, like a lot of my classmates, I see them on Facebook. A lot of them, you know, they go corporate. A lot of them are, you know, go corporate jobs. They're either attorneys, they're, you know, partners, or they work in, you know, big companies uh, doing marketing, you know, all sorts of different roles. So I wouldn't say, I would say, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's really, it's really depends on the person. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really the person that we, it's like the person, it's like, it's like what that person's made of, I right. would say. Okay, got it. Moving on, uh, any advice for your previous boss? So after high school, you started working in any of your jobs, any advice for your previous j- boss? I think any advice from my previous boss might be, you know, um, I think this is, you know, it's like just maybe taking the time to, to, to talk to, talk to, talk to, to I, you know, like when I, when I got started, you know, I was really, I would say, you know, I started a little late because I was pre-med and then, you know, I, I worked in, I was, I was a lawyer and then I would say for my boss, I think if maybe if they spend some time talking to me, mm-hmm. I would have maybe, I would have, you know, they would maybe gotten to know me better. Mm-hmm. And then I think there were some times when I was really frustrated and my thinking was like, I was really frustrated. And, and usually like my thing was, if I'm frustrated, I was like, oh, you know, it's, I don't, I don't see how I fit in. Mm-hmm. And then people started, started, started kind of like, you know, maybe, uh, then say, oh, maybe, you know, they will leave or right. you know, do their own thing. Right. But sometimes like, you know, I think, and this goes for me too, like, you know, people I work with, sometimes we take the time to talk to people and, and, you know, to explain to them, like, you know, to see what, what their frustrations about. Right. And I think also like, you know, for, I guess to my boss, I would say like, you know, maybe if they just kind of like, you know, maybe gave me, gave me more of like, you know, like, um, kind of like, you know, like some jobs, it's just like, it's like a box. This is, this is your role. So you have mm. to do that dot. Instead of being so stringent, just like focusing on one dot, they could be a little bit more open, see like see where your skills are, and kind of help you kind of develop those skills. Absolutely, I and betting on you and letting you probably drive something new, yeah, taking the risk told, with you. Yeah, I totally agree. So let's talk about flying from America to China. So Robin Eight and Miranda, I met you actually in the same building as we're doing the podcast show in China Accelerator Office about three years ago. Yeah, I think so. Uh, evening for a mentor. Uh, I still remember. Now I'm thinking about. It. I totally remember how we met. We met outside in the lobby. I, st- I think I still remember the way, like, way you look, your hair and everything. You look totally the same. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so that journey uh, and just flying from America to China, was it by accident or by design? It was kind of by accident. Really? Yeah, like, I've always wanted to be in China. I mean, to be honest, I've always, always wanted to, you know, come here. But I was, I was scared. You know, I'm very close what to my family. What were you scared about? You know, I'm very close to my family. People think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm very close to my mom, my dad, my, my siblings. And the thought of just like coming here, like, you know, even though I speak Chinese fluently, it was pretty intimidating for me. And I wish I kind of did it earlier. So you asked me how I came here. It was really kind of by accident. I had a, um, I had a client mm-hmm. and it was actually FoodX in New York. And uh, FoodX is part of China, SOS's uh, accelerator. Mm-hmm. And we did this, you know, we did their whole demo day in New York. And we did it, this is like in my PR days. Right. And then um, 
And then I met, I met like uh, one of the partners there. And I was like, oh, wow, you guys invest in, you know, startups. Right. I started talking to him, saying, hey, so what do you guys think? You know, I have this, uh, this product I'm working on, this PR SaaS where I profile reporters down to a science using data and I matched them. You know, so we automate the whole process. I was talking to him and he was like, well, you know, um, you should look into China Accelerate in China. Mm. And when he said that to me, I was like, wow, China, it's so far. You know, I speak Chinese, but wow, that's like <laughs> from New York to China. It's, it's pretty far. And then a month later, he connected me. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought he forgot about me. And then a month later, he connected me. He was like, oh, hey, meet, you know, William Belbing from China Accelerator. And I just, you know, talked to him, just kind of like, you know, we'll just, you know, see what happened, learn. And he said, oh, you sh- I love your product. You should come to China. And to be honest, I was really hesitant. But my partner said to me, China, you should definitely go. And, you know, just this is the biggest market. This is where the opportunity is. Just go there. I was really hesitant, but he was like, just go there, try it. So, uh, you know, China Cellular, the way it works is like uh, three months. Mm-hmm. And three months where they kind of like, you know, you could kind of hang out in the office, I guess. Right. So we, you know, so we, we gave it a try. We, you know, came to China for our product. And, you know, they loved our product since they're like, this is, this is great how you profile reporters based on their, you know, based on the content they wrote. But it's, it's not, it's not a good fit for China market. So Robin 8 was born after you landed in China. Yes. Right. And what was your first, let's say, pitch versus what it is now? What's the contrast? So when we first came here, it was a PR SaaS. PR SaaS being a software as a service mm-hmm. where we, you know, we basically profile reporters. The way we did it was we pull all their content, what they wrote like today, yesterday, a month ago. So these are reporters, journalists. And we take the articles they wrote and we'll use machine learning to profile each article. So, oh, this article's about uh, fashion. This article's about um, computers. This article's about travel. And then we would basically, you know, tag each article, and then we create a profile for each reporter. So, a company is like, for say, launching a new, um, maybe a new lipstick. Lipstick. Mm-hmm. Then we're a match of like, you know, reporters or journalists that cover lipstick who are positive, who are very, you know, positive stuff. So we automate the process, and then we basically allow them to. To contact this reporter, we had the whole analytics. Right. When we brought that to China, they loved the way it was profiling reporters. But the thing in China, they said to us, like, this is a great product. But in China, it's all about KOLs, key opinion leaders. So back then, I was like, what's, you know, I wasn't even, yes. I was like, what's a KOL? And, I remember that right, conversation. Uh, and then there's a KOL, remember this. <laughs> it's key opinion leaders. And they're like, in, in the States, we call them influencers. And they said to us, in China, these influencers, KOLs, they don't do anything unless you pay them. So exactly. we change our model from like an earned media, where basically you get reporters, earned meaning you don't pay them, right? Right. To a pay media, uh, media buy model. Right. And how the last three years journey, what would be the contrast today? Did you have to do any pivot or it's exactly the same thing as of today? So we did a pretty big pivot if you think about it, right? So we had a PR SaaS and we changed it to a search engine. Influencer search engine. Wow. So influencer search engine, you know, when people think influencer KOL, they think about those big KOLs. Right. But because we had AI, we were able to profile everyone. So meaning when I say everyone, we could profile the big celebrities, the big KOLs, big influencers, or that mid-level, you know, right. those middle ones, or just consumers, people like you and I. Mm-hmm. We could basically profile their social data, all public, and, you know, you profile them down to a sign so we know what they're about. So we change our model. If you think about the PR space, which is a very niche space. Right to basically a, you know, a people search engine where basically we're able to kind of profile these uh, people regardless of their big KOL, 
or they're uh, up and coming KOL or they're just consumers? So more based on their skills and talent and uh, areas based of on their interest. Interest based on their interests, and then we also calculate engagement. So we figure out their, you know, their interests. Are they interested in travel? Are they interested in babies? Are they interested in cars? And then we were basically, you know, that's how we profile them. That's and then nice. based on that, we'll calculate their engagement. Meaning, you know, maybe they're interested in cars, but when they say something on cars, no one likes it. So engagement's like number of clicks, number of likes, number of views, you know, comments. I'm sure Miranda in this entire journey, no matter from where, while you were in the U.S. or while in China, everybody goes through failures, and we often don't talk about failures. Very curious to know, and I'm sure listeners want to know, what were your one or two major, let's say, falls or major um, low points in the last few years? Mm -hmm. Can you share with us? Sure. I think, I mean, I think I fail at a lot of stuff. And I think actually failure is a good thing. I really do believe that. Like some people are scared to fail. And I, my philosophy is like, just go out and do it. And if you fail, it's okay. Just get yourself up and keep going. I think, you know, like, I mean, you asked me like, you know, I think, I think failure is great because, you know, you learn from it and it's good to fail fast. <laughs> that's something we actually, actually, that's a class that yes. I took with you, you yes. know, the fail faster. Exactly. And it's like, if you're going to fail at something, it's okay. Fail, but fail fast, get up and, you know, go to the drawing board again and start again. So if you ask me like, you know, uh, some stuff I failed at, you know, the last couple of years, uh, that, you know, I would say like, Maybe not the last couple, like one of the biggest failures, I think, you know, I told you earlier, was my parents wanted me to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And I realized after, it was, it was actually a really tough time for me because I was like, I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. But my parents really wanted me to be a doctor. And if you think about it, during high school, during, you know, college, that's, that's like for eight years of my life. Everything I did was like trying to be a doctor when I knew down in my heart I didn't want to be a doctor. Right. I went to like internship. I worked in the hospitals. I took all the pre-med classes. And then finally, when I realized I didn't want to be a doctor... You know, it was like, it was, my parents were so disappointed in me. Like my dad did not talk to me for four days. Oh my God. But you know, it was so great because after that, they had no expectation of me. <laughs> They're like, all right. It's like, whatever. We, we don't, we just, we have no expectation of you. It's like, they kind of like said, okay, big loser. <laughs> but you know, that was great. It was no expectation. So you just woke up one day and said, I don't want to be a doctor. I think I was, it was, it was like, literally I was, it was, it was something that actually took a long time. Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. It was really hard to be a doctor if number one, because like in the U.S., they had these like prerequisite classes you have to mm -hmm, take. Mm -hmm. And these are like hardcore classes, like really hard. And, you know, I went to Cornell. It's very competitive. Mm -hmm. So it's like these people are like, you know, it's like it was really hard. But I think it took me a long time because I was like, you know, I really like to do. I really like to write. I really liked economics. I really like, you know, all these other stuff. And I couldn't really pursue that because I was like thinking I had to be a doctor, take all these like science classes where my heart wasn't in it. Right. So, I think, Miranda, that's a very good point, and I'm sure, like, I relate to that. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother is also going through that phase oh, wow. of deciding between what his heart desires and what he's expected to do. Many listeners would like to love to know what was happening at that time when you said, okay, no more doctor, I want to do something different. That those days or those hours, what did you do differently which made you trans transition smoothly? I think actually one of my girlfriends did something, mm -hmm. you know, I was telling her like, I was like, oh, I'm so stressed out. I don't want to be a doctor. You know, I'm like, and you know, she, I think one of my girlfriends and I, she kind of helped me. She just said to me like, you know, just do what you want. Stop blaming your parents. Exactly. Stop blaming others. And when guys. she said that, it was actually very painful. I was like, wow, how could she say that to me? Like, but then I thought about it. She was so right. Once I realized, hey, this is my life. I shouldn't blame my parents or like have all that pressure. 
And I told my dad, and he was really disappointed. He was really disappointed at the same time. Once he was like, he kind of, you know, like, kind of like, you know, I was like, okay, sh- you know, I felt like I was a big failure. Then I could do what I wanted to do. And I realized, hey, this is a beautiful big world out there. I want to see what's out there. And I was free to do what I wanted to do. And I was actually, you know, I consider like, okay, failure, but it was open new doors. I think in life, that's how it works. You know, I think in life, you know, I went through a lot of failure, fail- failures, actually. I think anything in the last in the, in your professional career, Robin eight China. Yeah, I think in China, you know, we did a lot of things wrong too. You know, when we first got here, you know, our our, our business model wasn't right, so we had to quickly pivot, change it to to a model that works for China, mm-hmm. and we did that very quickly. And that's how we raise our venture money. And I think when we started, right, our whole we we built this you know great platform. And I think thinking in the U.S. and China is very different. In the U.S., it's like you build it first, and then you market. And here in China, it's, it's very different mentality. The investors, the investors are all about like, no, I mean, I remember meeting some of these investors like, what? You have a team of like 20 tech people? You have like, how many operations people? How many sales people? I was like, mm, I have like two. <laughs> and they're like, you're spending all that money building this stuff and you have no clients? And they said to me, you should start selling first. Start selling, getting revenue and then build. That was their thinking. Wow. Why? I, that, that They said, you know, like a large investor, like, yeah, you should, you know, sell the stuff. And see what the market wants, get the revenue going, and then build it. And I think that was one of my mistakes, actually, actually listening to them. Be- oh, okay. You know, I think, I mean, there's pros and cons. Like, they, you know, if you think about it, it does kind of make sense that you go sell it right. first and then you build it. But at the same time, if you're selling it, what do you have? <laughs> right? And then, Balance, I guess. And then also, too, I think, you know, for what we're building, we're building a marketplace. So for the marketplace, you always have, it's like the chicken and eggs. Which one do you go first? Do you go for the advertisers first or do you go for the people first? And since my investors were always like focused, like, hey, you have to get, you know, they, they gave me very tough KPIs, revenue. You know, every, every month they're like, what's your revenue? What's your numbers? So we kind of like, we're, we're trying to please them. And by trying to please them, I think that kind of like messed us up because we're focusing on the advertisers. You get all these advertisers, but if you don't have the marketplace ready, then it's like, you know. Absolutely. So I think we realized that, you know, quickly and we're like, hey, we got to get the people on board first and then do that. And, I, and again, it's like sometimes like people like, you know, like the investors, like I would say my failure was like, you know, I kind of like listened to them and I just said, no, this is not how we're going to do it. And if you don't, you're not happy, then, you know, then this is not a good fit. But we, we should just like follow our, our vision first instead of like I would, you know, so I would say maybe that's my another failure. But you live and learn and then you, you keep going, you know? Absolutely. So Miranda, with Robin 8, you're trying to automate the whole process, right? What is it uh, automating? So, so Robin 8, it's an influencer search engine that's powered by big data AI. And we're all about returning data to uh, the individual, empowering everyone with their data. Right. So we recently added blockchain to it. So now, you know, um, blockchain, I mean, if you guys, yes, it's basically, it's just basically a database. It's a decentralized database. But what's cool about it is like, data, uh, it's like if it's on the blockchain, it gives you, you know that this data is trusted because it's, it's like decentralized. So, so it's like, it's hard to like, you know, fake stuff because basically if you were to change, you know, one part, one database, you, you have to change it like in all the other databases. So, so Robin A, we're, you know, if you think about, it, we're all about returning that uh, profile data back to the owner, empowering everyone with their data. And the way we're doing it is basically we're using, we're using blockchain. So building more transparency, actually, right, as well in the process, more efficiency. So we have, so we just recently released uh, our profile management ecosystem, mm-hmm. PMES. Oh. So what PMES is about is basically we have uh, like any company 
could actually build their application on our uh, profile management ecosystem. What that means is they could build their application, any like their app, anything on our on our PMES. And what that means is they could have that data on the blockchain, and we could help them. You know, help them. Uh, they have access to all that. You know, great benefits like privacy, security. And at the same time, for the consumer, if it's on it's on the blockchain, they know that that data wow. is theirs, and they can access, they can control it, and they know it's like you know it's like consume it's like it's 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 their data, and they can control that. So that's kind of what we're working on. Which two organizations outside of your own do you know the most people at in your network, and why? People outside my network. That oh, no, outside of your own company, outside of Robin Eight. Okay. Which other company do you know the most people? Hmm. Well, and why? <laughs> that's like I'm thinking. Okay, which other company or organization? Yeah, company, organization, startup, whatever. I'm sure you have a huge network. You know, I would say people. I would say China Accelerator. Mm-hmm. You know, China Accelerator is like you know what brought me to China, and what I love about China Accelerator, like I mentioned, I, I was scared to come to China, but China Accelerator, it's kind of like my family at home in the sense that. You know, when I came to China, there was this group of people that was there to guide me, to help me, help me set up. And I'm very close to, like, I was batch eight. Mm-hmm. And I think now it's like batch 13 or batch 14. So I'm very close to my batch. And then I'm also very, I mean, a lot of the companies actually, some of them don't exist anymore, actually. But I'm also very close to, um, you know, the, a lot of the batches after that and also a lot of the mentors in the program. So I would say, aside from my company, another, you know, China Accelerator, I feel like, you know, it's it's. I'm very close to 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 the, the companies there as well as the, you know, the mentors. Right. Miranda, very interesting because we are all. I mean, something common to both of us and our network of people around is that we want to enable the community, the network, mm-hmm. to to support and to grow one another and our respective uh, purposes in life. How would you attribute uh, the power of the network uh, and community to your success or your journey? I think the community is immensely important. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think like, you know, growing up, I think friends and, you know, like family, your friends, those are people that support you, that really help you, you know, like go out there and do all you could do. Also the community, you know, blockchain is all about the community. Mm-hmm. So so is ICO, initial coin offer. It's all about the community. What's great about this is before you were to raise money from VCs, you go to a VC, you know, that you pitch them. It really takes like six months. They do a whole due diligence process. And sometimes investors, you know, they're usually very busy and they'll, you know, they'll give you feedback, they'll help, but they're very busy. But when you're doing actually like a um, initial coin offering, you get the community and the community buys in onto your concept. And what's cool about this is like, you know, this is your, these are, you know, they bought into your, you know, your, 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 your business model. Right. And they actually, they participate and they test your, they test your product. They give you feedback like, Hey, what about this? What about that? How come this isn't working? And have you thought about this? And it's actually fantastic because, you know, live feedback. Also. Yeah, live feedback. And people who are actually testing your code, people who's actually testing your product, they're actually downloading, they're playing with it. And they also like you know, and they're part of your part of your team. I think it's it's wonderful. And I think China Accelerator also has that. Absolutely. And since they have all this, you know, mentors and they, I mean, and it's like you know, the mentors are kind of like there to help you, and they're also your friends. So it's it's a really it's a great it's a great feeling to have that community support. Okay, just to close off this amazing conversation with you, Miranda. Fast forward to now to tomorrow. What's coming up in the making for you and Robinate? What's so, happening next? People would love to know. Yeah, so I'm super excited in the sense that, you know, we recently released our uh, the codes for the profile management ecosystem. 
And I'm super excited about this because one of the biggest issues now that, you know, everyone's facing is whole data ownership. It's kind of like a perfect storm that's going on in the sense that, you know, we use all these third parties and they have our data and we have no control over it. So, so, so data ownership is a huge issue now. And the second issue is like, you know, fake data. So one of my, you know, so Bob and A, we're releasing uh, the profile management ecosystem. The, uh, the code's actually on the GitHub, so everyone can access it, and they can actually build their own applications. So they could build their gaming app. They could build their, they have like an influence app. They could build an influence app. They have like a uh, mommy app. They could build all that stuff, and they could put the code, I mean, they could use our code, put their data on the blockchain. And we help them, you know, manage all that. And at the same time, for consumers, they could actually access that and know that that data, it's, it's there. They could control it. And, you know, we act as their personal data sciences. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to roll that out. And I'm really excited to kind of introduce that to the development community. And then I'm also really excited because, like, you know, since, uh, since we did our initial corner offering in January, we've actually really brought some really amazing people on our team. We have, like, a Ukraine team now of about 30 developers. Wow. Special blockchain. In China, we have about 40 people. In New York, we have about, I think, six so we're really like, you know, like we're truly global we're, in yeah, the making. Like now you're, we're out, like we're in China and we're also going global. And then we have some such really good tech, like, you know, these, these tech people. I'm really excited that, you know, we could actually get this product and roll it out. So I'm super excited about that. And then we're also, um, you know, rolling this thing out and we're going to do hackathons. So meaning, you know, we're going to develop this uh, with the community where they could build we should be talking, Miranda, about the hackathon together. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we want, we're going to do hackathons like, you know, globally. I'm glad to help you on that. I would love to work with you, Nisha. You're like Miss, Miss like LinkedIn, you no, know, no, everybody. No. <laughs> so, so like, and then we're also, you know, it's really exciting. I love this whole blockchain thing. I got in actually pretty, I mean, pretty late. I got actually in last year, but still early. I think this whole thing is just starting. Absolutely. Any ask from the listeners from the network, any help or anything you would like to ask, uh, please ask now. Yeah. Okay. I would love, you know, for you guys to, you know, to, to, you know, I, I mean, it's about the community. So check out our websites, robinaput.org, and you can actually access our, our code for, for the profile management ecosystem. And you can start playing around, download the code, start playing around. You can start building an application and I would love to get your feedback. Like what you think, we just release our, you know, beta code. And, you know, uh, so we're actually like, we're look, one reason we're doing these hackathons, we want to get feedback. Sure. And we want to see what, you know, people building the application on this and we want to return that data profile back to the owner. So, uh, so one thing I could ask is if you guys could like, you know, check out our website, robin8put.org. Uh, you know, our tokens, the profile utility token. So our website is robin8put.org and you can actually access our, uh, our code from the GitHub for the profile management ecosystem. And you can also see some of uh, the events we're going. So I would love to like get feedback and you know see what you know what the community says. And Niranda, this uh, this uh, <laughs> in the making podcast is also a great opportunity for you to say thank you to anybody who you attribute to your journey or success or any learnings. Three people you would love to say thank you to. Okay. So three people, like you know, of course I want to thank my mom, my dad, <laughs> but aside from my parents and you know my family and my, you know my my kids and my husband, yeah, you know, I have to say that they'll kill me, right? <laughs> <laughs> aside from that, I would like to you know I would like to thank China Accelerator for coming down to China, for getting me down to China, supporting me, like you know William Balbing, and you know the great mentors and CA. Like it wasn't for them, I would be back in New York, you know. You know, I, was, I think China Cell definitely changed my life, like. Uh, the second thing I would love to like thank maybe um, Leo Wang from um, from Pre Angels. 
I met him in New York, and he, this guy is amazing. He's so connected. You know, I met him in New York, and then when I came to China, I said, "Hey, Leo, can you choose some investors?" So one week, he 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 got me like twenty meetings of investors. Wow! Literally, like like in one week, and the guy just very, you know, he also got me into blockchain. Actually, I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for him because he. You know, I trust this guy, and then he, you know, he. But you made the ask, Miranda. That's important in life. You need to ask what you yeah. want. If you don't ask, you don't get it. It was true. I kind of just met up with him to catch up, and he was like, "Yeah, you should do this." And the third person I like to thank is I like to thank Quantum. Actually, Quantum's actually, you know,、um, they're one of the blockchain. Um, they're Q Q T U M, and I, I think Patrick Dai really helped us tremendously. He, you know, like, you know, when we were doing the blockchain. We're pretty new. We knew, you know, we had a big tech team already, but like the whole blockchain thing was very new to us. So I think for them, they really helped us with the support technically and community-wise, and they really helped us, like you know, get into it, taught us like how to do it. And I really, I think I owe like a huge, you know, thank to to him and to those three people I mentioned, and also my family. <laughs> <laughs> so closing off, wrapping up in the making with Miranda Tan. Imagine as soon as you step out of this podcast room, outside of the building, and you suddenly win one million US dollar or RMB lottery. What would you do next? Wow, I would be so happy. <laughs> For sure. No, I, I think you, I'd, you stop doing what you're doing and go on a vacation. Or? Well, first, like one million RMB isn't a lot of money.、Right? One million US dollar. Oh, US dollar. Okay, I would like you know. I think for that, I really love what I'm doing. I really put all my heart and soul into like you know Robin Eight. And if I, you know, if I just happened to win a lottery, I would just basically invest that money back into Robinhood. I really would. It's like I love what I'm doing, and it's like, you know, I have four kids, and sometimes like, you know, I travel a lot, and I tell people it's like, you know, it's like I'm, it's like this is I, I put my blood and soul, I put times I could spend my kids into the company. It's、so、I really believe in this, and it's it's something like I want to build something really great. And sometimes you know, with a company, it, it's not overnight. It takes、mm-hmm. a lot of work, and sometimes like you fail, something you keep going, but you just keep going. So if we if I got the one million dollars, I would put it back into Robin Eight, and you know I'll get like we have like what forty people in China, thirty people in Ukraine. I would like double my team. <laughs> Right, and、uh, bringing the kids into—I mean, the kids are the future, right? They probably will grow、Absolutely. up with blockchain. What is the message out there for all of us、uh, to get the young blood more getting ready for the future? Basically, in the making, how should we do things differently with our young kids? I mean, I, I, education. I think education is really—you know—I believe education is like the key to everything. But should there should be some difference, some pivot in the way education is done to get them、mm-hmm. ready? I think training education is really important. I think you know, I think like in the U.S., I really believe education is like training is really the difference for a lot of the problems out there.、And、I think you know, how do we train the young people? I think to train the young people is like basically give them the, the skills for them to to really succeed in life. So like you know, like for for young people, I would like you know like. Start them early. Start them early. Get them to the hackathons. Get them to like start coding. Get them to you know like just get them early. It doesn't even have to be like coding or development. It could just be anything like internship. Like start your internship early. Like you know I started when I was like maybe in my you know my teens. But actually, I my mom's. I was like you know I was like working when I was like eight years old. <laughs> right. So I think you start early. Start training. And believe it or not. It, it's this is like the skills that that's gonna really make you like you know really help you win. I think Michelle Obama once said something, and I really like this. This is one of my favorite quotes. She she was like I think speaking、uh, speaking at this、uh, community college, 
And this community college, a lot of the kids there, right, they had to work like multiple jobs, multiple jobs to graduate. A lot of them have like, you know, they kids or they worked at night and they took maybe like instead of like the four years, you know, they took eight years or whatever. And she said to these guys, she's like, you guys, you know, you know, you don't have like that silver spoon. But what you guys have is like you got that grit. The fact that you guys like are here, you're graduating, you went through that whole thing, that's not a disadvantage. That's what's going to make you stronger. What doesn't kill you, make you stronger. And she's so right. Those people, like, you know, those people are like tough, tough as nail. I think, you know, I think like, yeah, I think in life it's just like, you know, you got to like basically just really go for it and don't be afraid to fail because, you know, failure is part of life. It's okay to fail. It's actually great. You learn from it. And then just basically, you know, like, you know, it's it's just just go for it and just go for what you love and do what you love. If you do what you love, you're good at it and the money will come. Okay, thank you so much, Miranda, for joining us on In The Making, thank Asia Tech so Podcast. Thank you so much for having it was, me. It was great uh, and it was amazing and I learned a lot as well from you. No, so thank you so thanks much. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a great pleasure. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.